Welcome to Her Campus at Americans podcast, Miseducation, where we talk about anything and everything facing college students in a city and basically the world. My name is Maggie, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm a sophomore this year studying international relations. Hi, I'm Molly, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I am a sophomore and I'm studying communication studies. And this is our interviewee, Ala. Hey, my name's Ala, uh, I'm with Unpink. My pronouns are he, him. And um, thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. So today's podcast is going to be all about the pink tax. But before we get started, let's talk a little about what the pink, pink tax is. So the pink tax is the price difference between products marketed towards woman identified and female presenting folks compared to gender neutral products or those marked towards men. A big part of this is paying for menstrual products that are almost charged, that are almost always charged at a luxury tax. So, a couple quick facts about the pink tax. One being, 90% of states charge a luxury tax on menstrual hygiene products. And the pink tax extends to almost any product or service aimed at women. Um, erectile dysfunction and hair loss treatments are not taxed in any states, excluding Illinois, where I'm from, woot woot, <laughs> um, but menstrual pain treatments are. Tariffs are also included. For example, men's sneakers taxed at 8.5%, um, whereas women's sneakers are taxed at 10%. Those who identify as women pay roughly um, $1,300 more a year on essential products because of the pink tax. Female branded products can cost up to 50% more than male branded products. White women are likely to pay $200 more more for the same car as white men, and black women are likely to pay $400 more for the same car as white men. And lastly, women spend anywhere between $26 and $50 per month in New York City on Ubers, Lyfts, and taxis as opposed to taking the subway for safety reasons. Some are starting to include these kinds of measures into pink tax studies. Now we're going to speak to Ala about the pink tax and what his organization does. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I guess just to quickly go into what Unpink <laughs> is, uh, I started Unpink, uh, a very brief history of how this all came together, mm-hmm. um, just in my time when I was in my undergrad, which seems like many years ago now, <laughs> but um, I had a partner at the time who wanted birth control, and but she didn't want to go into Planned Parenthood to pick it up. And I felt like it was only natural for me uh, as her partner, who also benefits from her having um, birth control, to go pick it up and pay for it. Because then our, the Planned Parenthood, I went to Iowa State University. Iowa State Planned Parenthood is like right in the middle of downtown everyone would like you run into people there all the time so I figured it was only fair that I would be the one to pick it up and um, pay for it because she would suffer the side effects which were frustrating for her and something that we talked about quite a bit um, so that was something that happened I didn't think about the pink tax I didn't think about it or you know otherwise whatever not something that but it was just something I did uh, naturally and didn't think about it otherwise um, my current partner not the same one uh, she um, was mentioning something about her previous partner that he offered to pay for half of her birth control. And I was like, half? Wait, you're taking on the full biological burden. Mm-hmm. Um, and But he's only going to take on half of the financial burden, and you're going to be the one to do all the forms, whatever, to pick it up. It seems like him offering to pay for half of it is like less than the least you can do. Um so it, it, it occurred to me that men are not aware of the pink tax, nor do they 
ever participate in it. And so that's really the quickest version I can give you of uh, how Unpink came to be. So Unpink is uh, an idea to get men to, for lack of a better term, pay reparations <coughs> for the pink tax. Because men benefit on two sides of the pink tax, um, we make more, like men on average will make more than women. And I want to dis just quick disclaimer, uh, sorry, insert it in the middle of my description here. I'm, I'm using gendered language. Uh, I try to avoid it whenever I can, but I'm using it because typically uh, most of these studies that I am referencing um, use gendered language and the government uses gendered language as well in policy. So Unpink mm -hmm. is focused on making people aware of the policy around pink tax and also sharing the statistics um, around it. So I am fully appreciative of the fact that non-binary people, uh, trans men, and trans women all experience the pink, pink tax differently. Um, and so I just want to mention that real quick. Uh, if I apologize for my gendered language uh, in this case specifically. With all that said, um, the idea is to get cis men specifically, but men in general, to be, first of all, aware of the pink tax, uh, participate in it through donating their labor and capital. And at the end, and the overarching goal is to kind of overall eliminate the pink tax. So sorry for that long-winded version no, of sorry. that explanation. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of the quick version. I guess just jumping into questions and you kind of already talked about it, but how yeah. would you personally define the pink tax? And then why do you think it exists? Yeah, um, <laughs> so I mean, obviously, uh, this is because uh, starting on pink, I have to be really educated on this topic. Mm -hmm. And what I've come to notice is kind of there's no boundary or end to what the pink tax is. Yeah. It is all encompassing um, in people's lives. The only people exempt from the pink tax are racist men. Um, so, you know, it's it's. I wish I can give you a very clear, from what I've found, obviously, mm -hmm. and I'm just the messenger on this. I am not someone who experiences the pink tax in any way. I'm just someone who sees that men are resp should be participating in this. And I want to say, I mean, obviously, I'm not ex I've never experienced nor am I exposed to the pink tax. I'm only relaying the, the facts and data that I've come across and mm -hmm. the best ideas that the people in my lives have expressed to me, um, whether they are women um, or non-binary people, for that matter. So. Uh, that's just something I wanted to mention. I'm just a messenger in this case. Yeah. So, um, but I have wonderful people in my life. And if you go to unpink.org, you can see I have a board. So there are five of us. Uh, one of them is my sister, um, who I love very dearly and always inspires me. Um, and then there are three other people, one being my partner, the other two great friends of mine who have taught me so, so much. And um, I wanted them on the board because they have... Um, spent so much time educating me. I didn't reach this point <laughs> being an awesome person, nor am I there yet, um, uh, or ever will be. Try my best. But they spent so much time on me, and usually um, men who are halfway decent have people that work on them <laughs> in their lives, and there's a lot of emotional labor behind uh, a lot of people that you see that you might admire today. Yeah, so I just want to make sure to uh, put, give, no, give that awesome. shout out because I'm mostly a messenger here. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but I guess to answer your question, um, I, I really just believe that <laughs> it, it's almost beyond what we can even calculate or observe. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what was the other part of the question? 
Um, why do you think it exists? Yeah, and, uh, I, you know, I, I think I thought about this question a lot. Um, you know, why did I think it's rooted in patriarchy. And um, you mentioned the whole Uber and taxi mm -hmm. thing versus the subway. Um, women aren't choosing to take these forms of transportation more often than men. It, it's just they are generally avoiding men. Um, and that's <laughs> that's a reaction to an action that men typically take. It's the catcalling, for instance, or nothing you're not aware of, um, yeah. but just to highlight, these are things that women are avoiding. And because of that, um, I think a lot of what the pink tax, the reason it exists, it's a reaction to the patriarchy. And, and that's kind of what I've noticed and what I've observed. Awesome. <laughs> um, so you mentioned a little bit about what Unpink does, but can you tell us a little more about where do you see Unpink, Unpink going in the future? Um, yeah, um, I'm hoping, you know, um, just as a small example, for instance, uh, before coming here, I met with the uh, Calvary Women's Services Center. It's um, a women's shelter that kind of um, uh, helps undersheltered women um, through re-education or whatever it may take it, it, they're not they don't do just one specific thing they shelter them and they also help you know give them to give them classes um, job training stuff like that um, and I wanted to reach out to see how men can get involved and how men can help um, ultimately I think because men on average make more than women whatever the reasons are um, the stupid reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, there, in my opinion, there's no just reason, um, I guess, or fair for that matter, mm -hmm. no fair reason that those would exist. Uh, but because the gender pay gap does exist, it means men on average have more money. And so that's on the top end, so the income, but then on the expenses end, men are not exposed to those taxes you mentioned specifically, like the luxury taxes on menstrual hygiene products menstrual pain treatments um, and we're not even taxed on things that you know we would see as different like erectile dysfunction pills or hair loss treatments so we have all these we have we benefit on both ends um, because of that we should have more capital and more time for that matter and that surplus of time and capital that we might have compared to women and again I'm using gender language here non-binary people and, and trans people also suffer from these things so cis men specifically ha should have a surplus of time to donate whether it's money or time um, I think men can give those things hopefully um, through in-kind donations money donations or volunteering so that's what Unpink is, is hoping to do initially uh, ultimately like I mentioned um, to advocate uh, through government to uh, eliminate the pink tax completely. Um, and we can, as men, advocate for that because it's the just thing to do. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, and real quick, when did you create Unpink? So it started, <laughs> it started as an idea when I had that conversation right. with my current partner about what you know, she experienced. And honestly, like the next day I started designing, this was July of 2018. It became an official 501c3, which you can donate to, and it, helps your taxes. Mm -hmm. I was the one to remind people. But uh, in November of 2018, our one year mark is coming up. So just hearing about your experience and like what got you started with it, it's obviously something that's really important to you. And there's a lot of men, I feel like, who were in a similar position to you um, with their partners, like 
talking about birth control, but why do you think it's not an issue for them? Even though if they know it exists, it's like, okay, well, that's not my problem. So why for you have you like taken this on and why is it so important for you? Yeah. And, and, you know, as you bring up something that's been a frustration for me, it's um, when I mentioned unpink to people so often, specifically women jump at the chance to want to help, but, and I appreciate them and I want them to help, but I would hope that men have similar enthusiasm. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, a vague parallel here is with race relations. When it comes to people of color, they always want to, you know, go out and, and fight for racial justice. Um, and as, as people of color, we should expect white people to step up too because they're beneficiaries. So as someone who benefits from the pink tax, or at, at very best, I don't suffer from the pink tax. Mm-hmm. If I care about justice and I haven't met a person to this date that goes out there and says, yeah, I don't care about justice. If you're someone who cares about justice, you should be caring about eliminating the pink tax. Mm-hmm. And that for me is enough. That for me should be enough for every man to get involved into this. doesn't matter if you have women in your lives. As someone who is a human on this planet, if you care about justice, this is something you need to take on. And can you talk a little bit about how you think someone can avoid the pink tax, specifically the people in in college that are already having this huge financial burden? Yeah, it's funny. Um, It's funny, not in a laughing way. It's funny in like a holy crap way. There's Um, a lot of things. Yeah, because (laughs) as you know, uh, question number one, when you ask me, you know, what I think the pink tax is, because we can't even fully define it, because as you try to define it, you keep noticing more and more exists. I don't think anyone can fully avoid it. Um, but a good way is uh, maybe the men in your lives can pay for things. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, not every person has a cis man in their lives. But if you do, I would say encourage them to uh, pick up the tab sometimes. <laughs> um, just for, you know, as a form of um, micro reparations, let me call it. Uh, because it's there's no way to avoid it. Um, hopefully we can all work together, especially the most privileged of us, mm-hmm. to help out where we can. I feel like that's interesting because I always hear, like, guys sometimes will be like, it's almost like too feminist when they'll be like, oh, would you, like, not let me pay for your dinner or something? But then on the other hand, it's like, well, maybe you should because, <laughs> you and know, that's, things like that's tricky. Tax, yeah. It's like, maybe don't pay for my dinner, but maybe pay for my tampons. Like. That's, that's an idea. I mean, the biggest thing I think um, I've noticed within circles, like especially within men that I know, they, not directly, but it's always sort of implied, like I spent so much money on her and got nothing. The yeah. biggest mm-hmm. concern that personally I have with like the women in my lives, I don't like to bring up women in my lives because I don't, I shouldn't just care because there are women in my life. Mm-hmm. But my personal selfish concern for them is if someone is paying for them, are they expecting something in return? That's something, that's the biggest caveat, I think. If they expect nothing in return and they're doing it because they understand the the power dynamics, Mm -hmm. then awesome, in my personal opinion. Um, It becomes a concern when you go out for dinner on a date and they expect something in return. So uh, that's that's the only thing I would caution against. I say have men pay for everything, (laughs) just as long as they don't expect anything in return. Exactly. So tell us a little bit more about how your organization and just how people in general can systematically try and get rid of the pink tax yeah. um, and talk about maybe if you know anything about 
what our government is trying to do at all, if there's anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thankfully, some legislation has come up. Um, I know New York, and it's funny because New York is the first state to do this, like, research that made this such a big thing. I don't know if you've ever read the New York Consumer Report on the pink tax. That was, like, the first one um, that, like, w made, went viral almost. Like, holy crap. Like, where they showed this, like, the green scooter and the pink scooter, and one is, like, way more expensive, even though they're identical. Um, yeah, it's just it, that that was I, th I think as far as I know the first study to do that But I think New York has Functionally if, if not New York then New York City has eliminated luxury taxes on don't quote me on that But I, as I remember uh, So there is policy and there is momentum and there's so many wonderful organizations mm -hmm. And a lot of people ask if these organizations exist. Why did you start Unpink? and my I haven't seen any organizations that are run by men and focused on getting men involved. And that's mm -hmm. what makes Unpink mm -hmm. a little different. There's so many wonderful organizations, and I could list off a thousand right now, but I, <laughs> I don't think we have enough time in this podcast. <laughs> um, Unpink, again, only focused on you know, getting men involved, but uh, there are so many organizations advocating for policy and raising awareness, and it, I really do think it starts with awareness. Like I see Unpink has this three-step process raising awareness, getting people involved, and then advocating policy. And I see that policy is the solution. Um, the end, at the end, if we need to see, you know, for instance, um, menstrual hygiene products are as a human right. Um, uh, that's something that should be afforded to anyone who needs it, whether mm -hmm. you can afford it financially or not. So if the government can step in, they can at least mitigate some of the problem just not complete obviously like <laughs> i think we've addressed this multiple times now there's no end to the pink tax unless we get rid of the patriarchy completely um in the short term that's a pipe dream unfortunately mm -hmm. um in the long term who knows uh maybe that's possible but without getting rid of the patriarchy completely and i personally believe that um the pink tax is here to stay unfortunately but through policy we can at least mitigate it and lessen its impact um as for instance safe public transportation um, to address, um, you know, rides home. Um, the other thing would be, you know, free birth control through uh, healthcare systems, mm -hmm. um, free access to abortion. All these things. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, and these are all. These can all happen through the government. Um, and uh, unfortunately, nonprofits alone cannot solve the problem. But we're yeah. hopefully here to raise awareness, get people involved, and advocate for policy. And, and we kind of mentioned this already, but could you elaborate on how you think the pink tax has implications for, for those who identify as women um, and how they're treated and valued in society? Uh, what's interesting is um, I actually met, I, I told you I, I was at the women's shelter earlier today um, to speak with them about possibly helping out. Um, and I was lucky enough to meet one of their representatives and uh, we were talking about there's this perception where this person's siblings said oh just walk home it's not a big deal <laughs> and there's this almost like a like this arrogance from men that comes into play where we uh, say oh it's fine like it's just a five-minute walk for instance and women are seen as maybe cowardly or weak even the strongest woman is not immune to catcalling or or harassment or whatever it may be um, it's not about, you know, th th there's a perception of weakness and cowardice when it's more of a self-preservation move. Uh, a man, no matter their strength, might walk home safely, and the same cannot be said about a woman or 
anyone who presents femininely because if you're non-binary and you present a, as a feminine person you, you're still you're still susceptible to all these things so mm-hmm. it just really is how society perceives you not so much that you know you're weak or whatever and, and that's kind of how it's pervasive it's how people interpret these defensive actions as weaknesses when they're purely an action of self-preservation i also just think about like the products in general like like how all of my razors are like pink and pastel colors and yeah. all and it just kind of builds up stereotypes about what girls should have and that they're frilly and mm-hmm. pussy but it's like these are the options presented to us so of course i'm gonna go with the pink razor well can i ask can i ask if you feel uncomfortable using men's products like things that are labeled as men's products you know now i think about it i don't feel uncomfortable i just don't see as a choice like i feel like in aisles and um, like pharmacies or whatever, Walgreens, CVS, it's like you just go to the, everything's so gendered nowadays. Right. Everything, especially in health products and beauty po- products. Wow, I cannot speak. They everything's so gendered. And so, like, I, I identify as a female, so I go to the female stuff and I don't really consider um, it just kind of like my procedural behavior, just automatically go to the female um, identifying objects. So. Mm. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I've i come across a few people who've been, like, intentionally going to men's products, yeah. you know, and what's interesting from an economics point of view, and I think that's something that might come up, mm-hmm. but, um, and I'll, I'll bring that up later, um, but, yeah, okay. it's, it's, I think that's an interesting point. I don't know what, what your experience is. Yeah, I would say, I would say the same, like, I think it's just so ingrained in society you know for me identifying as female I, I go to the female section and then with the pink razors and the you know fancy deodorant smelling that kind of thing mm-hmm. but and but I do have a lot of friends who go to the men's section and they buy men's razors and like men's deodorant and things like that um, but I, I think that's a very rare few for in, in my experience mm-hmm. and I don't know why you know I think about things like Razors, I could definitely start looking for mm-hmm. like men's yeah. razors are probably yeah. cheaper. Yeah. But there's certain things where even though they are gendered, like the scents of like mm-hmm. certain deodorants or like soaps, it's like I like the feminine yeah. scents more. Oh, but it's like, but it's unfair that I have to pay for them more. Right. <laughs> and, and what's interesting is like there's more volume in the men's deodorant. Like the yeah. there's the women's deodorants are smaller and more expensive. I'm and always running out of deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's uh, I find that fascinating because how did I mean I know they justify it. I know a- anyway. That's <laughs> a fr- point of frustration. But yeah, and hopefully, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Um. So on a different topic, we talked about this a little bit about um in our fast facts about different income levels, but I just want you to kind of explain your experience and how the pink tax disproportionately affects women of different incomes, also regions of the world or state to state, regions of the U.S. or different backgrounds. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of regressive tax. It's not very commonly understood. I've heard of it, but I could use a deep breath. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure not everyone listening probably knows what it is. It's something I've only recently learned myself. Um, a regressive tax is something that disproportionately impacts um, people who make less money. It's like a progressive mm-hmm. tax. So for, it is, is a tax that as you go up in income affects you more, right? So like our, our um, income taxes are supposed to be progressive because as you make more, you should pay more in taxes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so y- not, just, not just that you pay more money, but more percent. Yeah. 
but these taxes so if you're very wealthy or not very wealthy you're gonna pay the same for a tampon let's say let's just use tampons as an example mm -hmm. uh, so a tampon let's say costs forgive me I don't know how much tampons <laughs> cost let's say a box of tampons cost ten dollars and you pay a five percent sales tax on it right so no it doesn't matter how wealthy you are everyone's gonna pay the same amount yeah. so if you make ten thousand dollars a year or you make three hundred thousand dollars a year that ten dollars impacts you disproportionately if you make less so it's a regressive tax on that end does that yeah is that like i'm not the best with examples i was, no, that was a good one. <laughs> i remember learning this from like junior year Econ macro economics <laughs> yeah. now so it's a regressive tax the pink tax will always be a regressive tax because like we said on average women make less things cost the same no matter your gender as far as if i want to buy you know food if i want to buy a ten dollar lunch and we buy the same lunch you make less than I do. Technically, that's a regressive tax in, yeah. in, in the way we're discussing it right now. So the pink tax, um, which is not just a tax by the government, it, it's everything <laughs> that we discussed, um, that's regressive. So um, as we talk, you know, you mentioned the car stats, for instance. So mm -hmm. women are paying more for cars because whatever reason, but the statistics show that women pay more. And they make less. So that he just, you know, just for being a woman, you're, there's a regressive tax on buying a car. That, I mean, it seems um, it's, it's exponential even because you make less and you get charged more. So it, <laughs> I can't even uh, explain it any further, but it's, it's just... You're getting hurt from both sides. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so from, from an impact point of view when it comes to race, when it comes to class... Um, the more levels of oppression you add, the more regressive this tax is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, if you're a wealthy white woman, obviously you still deal with the pink tax, but maybe it doesn't affect you the same way as it does, um, uh, like a woman of color that's uh, from a you know uh, a lower class family. So, uh, I think this is this is something that's definitely systematic and intersectional. Um, that just will affect people on multiple levels, unfortunately. And you know, if you live in a less safe neighborhood, again, I'm going back to the Uber because, and Lyft, because it just seems like such a bizarre world we live in where this is a necessity. I just mean, it's really relevant, especially being on a college campus in a city, so. Yeah, and <laughs> I, d I never knew what it's like to live, you know, uh, feet, like I've always been confident going home, but then again, I'm a tall person, you know, but it's it's uh, it's never been a concern of mine, which is it's not fair. Um, it's all the people that are women that I know have always been concerned going home at, during the dark, and it's it's not fair. So anyway, uh, hopefully that answers that question. Yes. Yeah. It does. Definitely. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about how the pink tax is disproportionately affecting women from different places, like different regions? Right. So. This is not an area I know enough about, but mm -hmm. I'll speak a little bit from what I've observed. Okay. Um, so I'm Palestinian, um, and I've been to every country in the Middle East, most, at least most. Same. Uh, well traveled. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a small region, and you uh, just bounce around, I guess. I mm -hmm. lived in Dubai for a while. I don't know if you've traveled to the Global South much. No, um, not so really. So, like, you know, countries that are considered 
underdeveloped. I don't know what, why they call it that. I don't know what development even is. But um, <laughs> you know, you know, when discourse around that is troubling. I don't know what the exact perfect words to use, but let's use like, for instance, the Middle East, because that's where I have a lot of experience living and observing. Um, I, it's funny because friends of mine in the Middle East have another layer to think about because there aren't those things that you take for granted here. Um, you know, sometimes things are less safe than others. Like in Palestine, for instance, as a woman um, in Palestine, you have the regular things to worry about from people in your class and in your culture, but then there's this added level of, you know, that it's a military state and mm -hmm. there are soldiers that might harass you too, even though they're in positions of authority. Cops here, kind of similar, they might do that, but maybe not on a system, no, maybe it's systematic. I don't even know, because I've never lived it. You can tell me more, but soldiers are always a concern for Palestinian women. Um, you have these people that are in a position of authority and you can't really like say no to them because then you just make it worse. Like you can push away a man, for instance, in a public area, but someone in a position of authority, there are a lot more, you know, people of authority maybe in, in, in war-torn countries. Uh, there aren't systems to, like, you know, go go report somebody. Or maybe you can't always have your phone handy. Or maybe you don't can't afford a phone. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but these are always these different levels, things we take for granted here. Uh, you can run into a shop and, you know, for safety. But if you're in a rural area, maybe that's not an option. Uh, again, it's all conjecture on my part, just from what I've observed. But, I, you know, here, I don't know if you ever worry around people of authority. I'm sure there's some level to that. But I think it's uh, magnified when it comes to uh, certain areas of the world. Yeah, I've never had an issue with authority. But then again, I'm a very privileged white woman. So <laughs> yeah. and it's probably people in the U.S. could probably say the complete opposite thing. Right. I mean, it just, I guess it depends on, like you're saying, your privilege maybe protects you. Mm -hmm. uh, other people here might not say the same, but exactly. uh, we can only speak from experience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then our final question, talking a little bit more about the economic side. So some economists argue that the pink tax is good for market competition. And what would be your response to that? <laughs> yeah, um, this is kind of my area. Um, I have a degree in economics and a master's in finance. So um, this troubles me because yeah. even if we're, you know, I'm, I'm no fan of capitalism. Uh, I'll just say that <laughs> right up front. Um, but with that said, even capitalism at its best reflects society's values. Mm -hmm. So if we're saying that economics dictates these things supply and demand if it's purely capitalism that means that society reflects the values that men should pay less that means there's somehow more demand and or more of a supply for men's products and that doesn't seem to be true um i would assume women uh, speaking mostly let's just talk about deodorant i'm hoping yeah. <laughs> we all use deodorant on this <laughs> at the same level in theory from a purely economics point, from a supply and demand point of view, if this was true, there's no reason to think the supply would be less, and there's no reason to think the demand would be less for women. Mm -hmm. But somehow the price is higher. There's something else that's factoring in here, right? Wh what is that? And I, I think, personally, based on what, I, what I've understood and researched, uh, there's a bit of society's values that factors into capitalism. We see men as more 
surprised. Like society does, unfortunately, often see women as as object as objects. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't. It's 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 ugly from coming out of my mouth, but That's it's unfortunate. <laughs> you know, I I don't. I'm I'm sorry if you can relate to that. Um, but because of that, men are more valued. It's not. So that's where the disproportionality happens. The reason there's a difference in the price a little bit is because men are seen as more valuable, so there's more demand for their um, for products for them. Mm -hmm. So if unless we can prove that there's a supply and demand end where there's more women uh, or m more men demanding or more people supplying to men, if the supply is different, again, I'm speaking purely on supply mm -hmm. and demand when it comes to economics. If the supply is different, then why are suppliers looking at men differently? It has, at the end of the day, capitalism will always reflect society. And that's why you see um, capitalism disproportionately negatively impacting people of color. Same with women, same with um, less wealthy people. At the end of the day, capitalism will reflect society. And I think this, this is less of an economics issue and more of a patriarchy issue. And, and I think that brings us full circle a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, the answer to the first question was patriarchy. And um, here, again, it's, again, I'm no fan of capitalism, but we can't blame capitalism on, on this one. Um, if, if, if it's pure economics, then there's a societal issue. Exactly. And um, we have to dig deeper into that. If, if people, a lot of, I imagine it's men that want to make excuses. Um, for the pink tax, no one will be able to justify the walking home safely thing, the luxury tax on tampons. That's not even an economics thing. The only thing you mm -hmm. can bring economics into is supply and demand on certain products, but that dies as soon as you compare exact products, exact demographics, and, um, and different prices. Yeah, um, so. I've heard some people argue, or just in general, people have brought up conversations. People say that the reason why females are priced for instance, we use the deodorant example. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you're paying extra for, like, the floral scent. But, again, it goes back to, like, well, I would get a neutral scent if it was cheaper, but the men's scents also have a more masculine scent, but they don't have to pay as much for that masculine scent. Yeah, and so it really doesn't make any sense. And <laughs> that, it, that argument seems like a, almost like a red herring. Like, that's not, that's not the only reason. If, if scents mattered, then you would have different prices from one cent to the other within men's categories yeah and and different prices within women's categories um so that a lot of these justifications are almost for people to feel better about things mm -hmm. um instead of changing it exactly That's too hard it's like for oh them. you know oh it's it's just it's just economics it's capitalism it's whatever none of these things um there's an inherent flaw in society and how we view women and how women are treated by men and by society as a whole. I mean, that really is pervasive and, and gets into economics, into retailing, into consumerism. Wow, that was great. That was a really good <laughs> interview. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I learned a lot about the pink tax. Yeah. I also loved hearing about what your organization does. Yeah, thank you. It makes it more relevant because I feel like as women and like being individual, we're just like, okay, I know this exists. I know this is what I have to deal with. I know mm -hmm. it sucks, but at the end of the day, you kind of just go with it. You're like, I'm gonna it. buy the pink shaving <laughs> like cream. Yeah, like, and it's exhausting to hear because you shouldn't. It shouldn't be just you. You only live this life once. And yeah, you're living it with more hoops to jump through for no reason, like mm -hmm. no reason other than to pad some man's ego. 
and I say some man, and I mean all of us, <laughs> including me. I mean, I'm not immune from all these things. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm not aware of all my misogyny. And a lot of times I look back at my younger self and like, oh, crap, like, how, <laughs> I, how was I okay with this? You know, and I had, like I mentioned, the, the people in my life that have taught me better. You know, if, if, you, say, if you feel safe enough around a man, I, w- I would say challenge him. Um, <laughs> I, I will mention one thing. Um, there's a group in D.C. Definitely, definitely, definitely encourage all the men. If you know any, any men that are in D.C. or in general that want to donate, but also <laughs> want to get involved, um, if any men in D.C. want to get involved with Unpink, um, we have, we're working on some things to get men involved all over the world with Unpink. Um, go to www.unpink.org. Uh, definitely, there's a link at the bottom <coughs> where you can sign up and uh, we'll reach out to you. We'll let you know how you can get involved. And there's a group in D.C. This is super exciting. Um, and it's a group called Mask Off. M-A-S-C-O-F-F dot D-C. That's on Instagram. We, they, they only have, I'm part of them, so we only mm-hmm. have uh, Instagram right now. But you can go to, so like I said, M-A-S-C-O-F-F dot D-C, mask off, on Instagram. It's a group of men. <coughs> we meet monthly, and we discuss toxic masculinity and how we can better, as individuals, get rid of it and how we can get rid of it in society. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a group that I think more people, especially specifically men in DC, can, and everyone's welcome. Mm-hmm. If you feel like coming to hang out and check I feel it like out, it'd be interesting to listen. Yeah, to and that. we can. <laughs> we never um, want anyone to feel obligated to show up, and no one is, you know. And we welcome everybody, but we especially want to encourage men to show up because we feel like they have the most to benefit from this. Mm-hmm. Um, so mask off, <coughs> DC. Um, you can come. You learn about potentially your own toxic masculinity and what you do that could be impacting people in your life, people around you, and uh, definitely something to check out. This is definitely, I mean, if you guys can <coughs> uh, tell people about Mask Off. Yeah. We meet in DuPont and stuff. So it's it's really, really great, honestly, and it's been super helpful. I guess all that to say that it's people in my life, like the people I care about, like, the, like Mask Off, that have really taught me my role and impact as a man, as a masculine person, and what I've done to potentially hurt others and what I can do to, to reduce my negative impact on the world around me. So hopefully people can get in, more, more people can get involved with Unpink and Mask Off or any group that mm-hmm. has similar goals. It doesn't have to be just us. So Awesome. Yeah. So now we're going to wrap up with a quick lighthearted questions, yeah. <laughs> um, rapid fire. So um, what item would you most like to place a blue tax on? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would love to see men lose their mind if you, if like, I think this was mentioned in the, in the fast facts, but I would love to see what would happen if you just like crazy taxed Viagra. Just, <laughs> just make it so. Especially the politicians would be like, so unjust. <laughs> yeah, like this is a true, inj- like imagine if men, you know, couldn't couldn't use their penis i mean <laughs> that, the the riots the just i think it would be i would you know i would think it would be hilarious to watch or i don't think hair loss treatments work but i'm sure that would piss somebody off or or protein powder i don't know but i mean everyone <laughs> uses some of that but like those gym junkies might yeah. lose their mind um you know things that are seen as like hyper masculine yeah. tax anything considered hyper masculine mm-hmm. see what happens like we currently tax all these feminine or maybe even hyper feminine things 
um, to no end. But hypermasculine things get a you know. I would love to see just like a day. Just <laughs> so would I. Yeah, just just to see how I would just sit it out and just observe and almost it would become what's that what's that movie where they kill people in tw- twelve hours? What is it? The purge. The purge. Oh my god! Be t- this world would turn into the purge. Anyway, I mean, maybe I'm trying to be funny, but anyway, that maybe <laughs> there's some That's truth true. to it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay, and then what is the first thing that you plan on doing after this interview that is going to help advocate for dismantling the Tampax? Whew. Well, <laughs> I the initial thought I had was go to sleep. Okay. I have, I have super <laughs> early morning. <laughs> I have work in the morning, but um, I think every even when I walk out of here, um, maybe you know if if it's I'm, I'm walking to my car and someone feels unsafe, maybe give them space to walk away. Um, one fun thing, it, this went viral on Twitter briefly, One of the, a sports commentator, um, I don't know if it's too long-winded, but I think it's interesting enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as a man on an elevator, you know, uh, we didn't <laughs> mention chivalry once in this interview, and mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Um, but, you know, the chivalrous thing is let a woman go in first mm-hmm. and, you know, let her go ahead of you, that kind of stuff, or whoever, as a man. I think... I'm personally no fan of chivalry, but um, for many reasons. But this the the fun example is well, it's only fun because it's so you when you hear it you'll start noticing it all the time. But go into an elevator as a man and hit the button before the people in the elevator with you, because if the let's say a woman and a man are in an elevator and the woman chooses the the, the floor first. And then, as a man, you you're going to the same floor. It might be alarming if you don't hit a button. Yeah. But if you hit, let's say, five first, and she's also going to five, she's not going to be alarmed, mm-hmm. or maybe as alarmed. I don't know. <laughs> um, but always hit the button first, and always walk out the elevator first. Yeah. That's one thing I think you know. Uh, you know, your as your instincts as you're taught as a child is, you know, let the woman go first. Whatever. Again, I'm using gendered language because that's how I've always. That's how it's always been taught to us, but um, it can make someone feel safer. Tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, if you and I are strangers in an elevator and and I'm going to the same floor as you and I get off after you and I'm walking the same direction as you, you might not feel as safe as if, as if it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. So that's one way maybe I can uh, make someone feel safer. That's just one small example. But otherwise, yeah. what I'm hoping to do is... Um, is, is put some more content out on Unpink and get more men involved in, with the Pink Tax. Awesome. Great. <laughs> Longest answer yeah. ever. No, that's, <laughs> great. that's great. Well, thank you again so much for coming in. I think that this was really great. I know we learned mm-hmm. a lot. Well, I, I definitely did. I think yeah. our listeners thought about it more. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, I'm lucky. I just want to make sure to give credit to the specifically the women and, and people in my life that have spent a lot of time educating me to get to this point. So I just want to make yeah. sure a shout out to them and my board on Unpink. Love you all. <laughs> and uh, that's definitely the people who spent the most time on me. And thank yeah. you so much for giving me the time and the microphone uh, on here. Yeah. No problem. I, I will definitely be mentioning to all the men in my life to either check out Unpink, give this podcast a listen. I yes. think that they could mm-hmm. all really and benefit mask from off. it. And mask off. Unpink, mask off, and this podcast. Yes. And <laughs> I'm going to buy nail razors from now on. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> save, save that money. It's and also, thank you so much to everybody who helped out with this podcast. Executive producer, Katie Malone, co-host, 
Maggie, and um, myself, editor Zoe Goodman, research assistant Wyatt Foster, Abby Henry, and Isabel Aguchi. <laughs> Follow Her Campus on Instagram and Twitter at HerCampusAU to keep up to date with Miss Education and the podcast that we're going to have coming out for the rest of the semester and the year. Um, check out AU Her Campus articles on the Her Campus page under the American University tab for other related issues. I'll make sure to do all those things. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye! Okay, bye. <laughs>